Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. A new year upon us, the college golf season back in action, spring campaign underway. A lot of teams getting ready to make a run to Greyhawk for a national championship. And with all that, that means college golf talk back in 2023. Steve Burkowski, Brentley Romine with you. Brentley, it seems like it's been a while. It actually has been a few months. Happy New Year. Hope the holidays were great. Family doing well. And we can sort of start doing the math. I think four months from now, we're going to know a national championship for the women. We're not far away. It gets exciting. It is good to hear your voice, Burko. It is. It's very good. I'm, I'm at the PGA show. Uh, as we can tell by my, my background for those watching us on the video medium. But, uh, I mean, 2023, it's, it, it's hard to believe. The fall season came and went. There's some teams that look good, some teams that look not so good. Um, but we're going to see what they're, or see what they're all about uh, as we get into this next few few months so i'm excited i'm always excited it's just never a dull moment in college golf i never get tired of it i know you're the same way and hopefully when i'm old and gray uh I, you know i'll be able to 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 think the same way oh so you're telling me that i'm old anyway I, that, I, that I was what i took from that i i intentionally didn't say your name Perka. Yeah, you know no, some I, of our I, more more dogged uh college golf reporters like lance ringler Oh, gotcha. Gotcha covered. Uh, a lot going on, though, sort of during the offseason, if you will. Mateo Fernandez de Oliveira, a huge victory at the Latin America Amateur Championship. And speaking of Mateo, kind enough to join us, the standout for the University of Arkansas. Always good to see you, my friend. A week or two removed from a monumental victory. What has it been like the past 10 days or so for you? Hi, Steve. Hi, Brentley. Thank you guys for having me. Um, I, as you said, last last couple of days have been um, kind of a roller coaster. I've been all over the place, and I mean, it feels good. It feels good. It, it's, it was a, a huge week for me, for for us Latin Americans. We we have a lot on the line during that week, so finally getting it done. It was it was really it felt really good for me. You were in the mix a year ago, had a great chance to win. What type of pressure is there for you to represent your school, represent your country, come away with a win, and know how much that comes along with that victory? Well, I mean, there there's a lot on the line. So, I mean, I think every single player in that field who's winning that week, it's a life-changing moment for him. 
so so it was for me um i think my my schedule changed a little bit now so i mean i'm looking forward to a great year now your victory mateo gets you into some pretty cool things in the masters the us open the open championship how are you going to prepare these next few months you know for those three big events well i think each of them require a different um a different preparation um we were just getting started with the masters we we were lucky to go with a team to play a couple of rounds there last week um i think it's a it's a tough course there's a lot to to learn so i i just think the course management there it's gonna be probably the the biggest point to to get ready for and well i mean the us open and the open are two hard tests as well so I, I will just first think about the Masters and then start thinking about the other two. Now, I'm glad you brought up your guys' recent trip last week to Augusta National because your friend Julian Perico told me that you guys played four rounds over two days. Just just take us listeners through that trip, yeah, kind of what you guys did, what were some of your highlights, uh, maybe something you took from the course that you know you didn't know before, you know, something you learned. Yeah, so it was my first time being there. Um, it was cool to be there with my teammates. So we probably one of the two highlights were that we had a blast. We we really enjoy enjoyed our time there. And second highlight is by for being January, we had probably the best two days of the year. So um, we could take advantage of of the good weather. We got thirty six in on the big course, the two days, and then the first the first day we also went to the par three course. So we play we played a lot of golf in two days. We we really took advantage of being there. And I mean one one takeaway of the course is that it's probably the best puzzle I've ever been on. It's um every shot just makes you think a lot and if you're not on the on the right spot you're you're very screwed. So um it was good for me to be to be there just learn a little more about the course and then i mean i have a couple of practice rounds prior to the masters week that i'm gonna take advantage of just to to learn it more and to be ready when when it's go time now how many suitcases did you bring back filled with pro shop stuff did did you go uh were, were, were you behaved in the pro shop or did you uh spend your allowance a little bit i I didn't buy all the stuff that I would that I would like to, but I I knew you're going I, back. I mean, though. You're going back. <laughs> I, I'm going back. So the next the next few times I'm gonna be there, I'm probably gonna get there and get my my suitcase full. <laughs> See, that's good planning. You don't want the impulsive purchase, although you could get away with it at Augusta National. You survey it. You maybe have a little dialogue with friends and family. Say options A or B, because as we know, no cell phones on the property. So it's not like you can necessarily FaceTime or take a picture. So that is smart. I'm going to give you a tip of the cap to you there, Mateo. I'm intrigued with the three majors that, as you said, you're going to prepare for. But you're also part of the Arkansas Razorback team. Where do you think the challenges will be for you to balance major championships, but also know you've got to group of guys counting on you to sort of try to jumpstart this team in the spring. Yeah, I mean, the last week and a half after after winning the the lag, it's been, I, I mean, I had a lot of phone calls, messages, emails, whatever, about winning the 
the Latin American am. And but at the same time, I'm I'm just trying to keep myself present. And I know I still have one semester more to go. There's a lot to work on. Um, we have a lot to work on with the guys as well. We came out, we came off to a low, slow start on the fall. So, um, but the definitely Latin American am was good for us just to to get a little a little golf in between starting the the year. I think we all did did very well. So I mean we're all excited to to start in, in a week and a half in in Pontevedra. How much pressure do you feel as part of a college team? Sort of thought last year you guys were trending in the spring and you just touched on it. Really not the best fall for for you and and a lot of your your, your buddies this team is sort of built to try to do something here in the next four months. What are the conversations like with, with coach McMakin and, and maybe what are the chats like with just the team of saying, now's the time guys, this squad's going to look a lot different in five months. Yeah. So after, after the fall ended, um, there, there was a lot of different talks with our coaches and with our teammates. We all agree on that. We need to work a lot to get to where we want to be so i think in the off season we all did a great work just getting the group together and and working on some golf stuff that we were not playing as good as we wanted so but our, i think our main goal is just to to be all together trying to get like to reach the same goal which is give ourselves a chance at the national championship in may now you're 15th in pga tour you as of right now, you would have status on PGA Tour Latino America um, and PGA Tour Canada. Um, just talk about that program, how fortunate college players are now to have these paths uh, provided to them once they graduate. And then uh, maybe what are your what are your plans, assuming you kind of stay in the same range? Um, are, are you going to go down back to South America where it's comfortable or are, are you looking for a different route? So, yeah, I mean, as you said, I think every every college player is very thankful with all the, the PJ2 University rankings. It's just a, a different path for college players to start our professional careers. Um, it's not the same to start from the very, very bottom and making yourself up, uh, like, compared to starting on a, on a different tour. Um, so that's, um, that's a huge difference for us, and we are all very very thankful for the opportunity then i believe my my plan is not going to change i think i'm 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 going to take all the exemptions and turn pro after the open um i i would definitely try try canada over the latin american pga i i like being home i like being speaking spanish and being on my on my culture but i think um the canada plan is is a a better from all the other perspectives um so yeah i mean my my plan wouldn't be to go down there it's just to stay stay north <laughs> now you mentioned home uh argentina pretty big sporting accomplishment about it's been about a month or so i want to know where were you watching the final of the world cup uh did you, were you at a party and just kind of just your overall thoughts? I mean, it's, it's bigger than any, anything us golfers could ever imagine. Um, you know, what, what, what are your, you know, what's it mean to you to be able to see Messi finally get it done? See Argentina lift that world cup. 
it was it was one of the of the craziest times of, of my life to be honest we i mean what they what they've done what they have accomplished for for argentinians it means it means everything i mean you it, it's hard to to put into words how crazy was that day when we won the the final um i was lucky to be home i talked to my teachers i told them hey this happens once every four years i need to be back home for for this match so i flew in to argentina the day uh probably the weekend before to the to the final match and i just watched it with my friends after after the game we we all took our like the car to the what we call the obelisco which is like the center of the city and there were was that that big of, video that that we saw that time yeah. lapse video on twitter oh that's awesome yeah yeah it was it was there i, I was there because i'm from buenos aires um probably manu or segundo that they are from cordoba they went to a different place to celebrate but we all celebrated in the end for for the same goal so it, it was crazy because like it was very very inspirational for us like for any for any argentinian we they just showed us the argentinians can do can do big stuff and i mean the way they did it, it was it was honestly very inspirational now i have a hard-hitting question for you mateo messi or ronaldo no, i'm just kidding yeah. i i know what you're gonna say <laughs> uh, no but uh, ha- don't let met... me answer please <laughs> <laughs> who do you think would be a better golfer and have you met messi before i never met messi before and if I would have to guess a better golfer, I would say Messi. <laughs> oh, of course, of short, course. short game is short games probably. His short yeah. games probably pretty wicked, right? I mean, yeah, he's, he's I mean, more tactical. I would go Messi over Ronaldo. If any question you ask me, <laughs> I'm <laughs> very basketball? biased there. Oops, basketball. Mm, Messi. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of soccer. How often did you play growing up? When did you realize, okay, maybe that's my limit and I'll let Messi represent the country on the pitch? <laughs> I used to play soccer since a very young age until I was like nine, probably. Then I switched, started playing golf. But I kept playing soccer with my school friends and and just like in our school, um, school academy would be, like soccer academy until I was 12 or 13 and since then I just kept playing golf and that was the only sport I I did growing up. Who's the best, who's the worst if you guys back in Arkansas maybe had a fun game? Who can play, who do you want on your team and who's the guy that's going to be the last one picked? Well, (laughs) that's a a tough question. But I, I would say just counting on the South Americans, I would have Manu on my side against Julian Segundo. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to get cameras out for that one. Uh, Manuel <laughs> post injury too. I mean, post injury for for Manuel, he still wants him on his team. <laughs> Before we let you go, uh, Mateo, you said you got a lot of text calls. What's the most surprising person that reached out to you or message you received that you sort of look at and say, "Wow." Like I can't believe they contacted me. Actually, I I I don't think I got like crazy messages, but I, I got a lot of well some some tour players 
that reach out and I mean I I feel very good because I want to be there I, I want to be with them playing on tour so um, I'm just looking forward to have great weeks I like playing against them and trying to learn from them as much as I can um, they are all great role models for me so I mean I felt that was very cool well, you kicked off the new year in fantastic style. Mateo Fernandez de Oliveira, congratulations once again for winning the Latin America Amateur Championship. Always good to catch up. Keep it rolling in the spring, my friend, and uh, we'll see you down the road soon. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. Uh, always a pleasure. This is how you start the new year, Brentley. You get someone that wins a prestigious amateur championship. And, oh, by the way, we've got Augusta now on the schedule, LACC. Head on over to the Open Championship. Uh, I mean, you and I have been around Mateo for a while. I think people tuning in can see just how down-to-earth he is. Really good kid. And even after an indifferent fall, keep an eye on him. I'm always intrigued when somebody does something away from the golf, uh, not the golf course, but the college golf season on the golf course. And you say, okay, maybe that's the impetus for, for big things to wrap up his career. Yeah, I, I wonder just if that World Cup victory may have given him just that little extra boost because the way he played in the fall and then the way he played at the LAC and watching all four rounds on television. And I mean, he put the pedal down. And I know it got to two shots, three shots on Sunday, kind of early on the back nine. But I mean, gosh, he there was just no part of his game that really looked off. His short game, as we know, is one of the best in college golf. And that was just a dominant performance, and it's going to be impressive. I mean, we're going to have quite the crop of amateurs at Augusta National this year, Berko. I'm going to have Sam Bennett, Gordon Sargent, Mateo. Uh, we we should uh, try to come up with a, like a trophy or something to you know low am, but then low low college player too. Maybe a little uh, little more crystal. Well, I think that's going to come out of your budget. You know, <laughs> I don't have a budget. Economy's yeah. a little tight here. Kick off the new year. Again, thanks to Mateo for joining us. We're going to get to our spring thoughts, a couple of topics on uh, front and center of our minds. But before we do, College Golf Talk, as always, brought to you by Velocity Global as they seamlessly connect employers and talent, anyone, anywhere, anytime, anyhow. Its global work platform is built on cloud-based technology, Compliance expertise and unmatched scale in 185 countries in all 50 United States. The world of work, we know it is forever changed. Talent can live anywhere, work for anyone and get the job done. And more than a thousand businesses engage top talent in another state or country without the need to set up a foreign entity or registration. And they rely on Velocity Global to make it simple and compliant. Velocity Global accelerating the future of work. If you want to learn more, visit velocityglobal.com slash golf, velocityglobal.com slash golf. I mean, I'm headed to Pepperdine in a few days. Our college broadcasts, they're coming. They're coming next Monday. I mean, it's, it is fun. And I know you've got pressing questions you want to get to starting with the men. If it's not Vanderbilt, if it's not North Carolina, as we talked about with head coach Andrew DiBetetto on College Central yesterday, who do you believe is the best team in the country? So Auburn's number one, right, in golf stat. 
I, but I'm not going to go there. I, I think the Tigers are a good team. Uh, they're deep. they got a few guys that can play number one for them. Uh, but I'm going to go out to Lubbock, Texas. Head coach Greg Sands just re-upped, re-signed a, a contract extension. This team's loaded. Uh, I mean, Texas Tech is a team that we've seen have flashes throughout the last few years. A couple of years ago at Greyhawk, remember they had that really stellar first round, ended up not getting into match play. Last year they get in as the eighth seed, um, can't get it done. I think that's going to change this year. And, and it's not just because Ludwig Aberg is the top-ranked gamer in the world. He's got three top eight finishes uh, so far this season. Uh, but a big reason, I think, is going to be their freshman, Callum Scott. And, I mean, top five player in golf stat right now. We watched his older older brother, Sandy, for so many years. Uh, star at Texas Tech before an injury, wrist injury, ultimately kind of sapped, uh, you know, whatever left he had for – the last year and a half in college, but um, you know, Callum's a good player. I think if they can just get Board Skogan back healthy, kind of battled a little bit of a back issue earlier in the fall. Um, he returned for the Big Twelve match play, played pretty well, but I mean, he's going to have some rust to shake off. So if you get him healthy, that's a that's a top three, and then you add some of the transfers they got in Tyron Sanders from Memphis and Jack Wall from South Carolina. And suddenly you got a five that can go with just about anybody. And uh, I'm not saying they're as good as North Carolina or Vanderbilt, but you get them in match play, you only got to get three points, right? So um, I, I, I have a good feeling about Texas Tech. I, I think they're going to make a little bit of a run. I wouldn't be shocked to see them in the final. Yeah, I'm sort of in between because I don't think – I think for me there's a clear line between – Vandy and North Carolina and everyone else. And that's not being disrespectful. I just, that's how I see it. But if you're going to throw it at me and I got to give you something, keep an eye on Stanford. Notorious to be very slow in the fall, pick it up in the spring. They had one of the best fall campaigns I can remember in that program's history, at least in the last five to 10 years. Do they continue to trend forward? Michael Thor Bjornsson, Carl Phillips leading the way. Uh, I will be intrigued to sort of see, all right, have they gotten a jump start on making that run deep uh, into April and May? But um, I still think we will continue to circle back to the Commodores uh, in Tar Heels. Texas, they won the national title a year ago. This team looks very different. Going to look different here in a couple weeks as well. Four under 500, 20, 24, and two. You posed a question Will they make a regional? And I answer with three question marks. It's going to depend on what the new faces do there because they play a great schedule. John Fields is a wonderful coach, but with what I saw in the fall, I would probably lean to no. But again, there's going to be some different faces. Yeah, it's it's hard to tell, right? Because when you play the toughest schedule in the country, the season after you lose Pearson Cootie, Parker Cootie, and Cole Hammer, and then you add on top of that, the two returners, Travis Pick, Mason Nome, uh, didn't play up to their capabilities. It, it's going to look pretty ugly. But I, I'm not panicking so much because, as you mentioned, they're bringing in a couple faces. I think depth was a huge issue. Uh, they basically had five guys, maybe six a stretch in the fall. But you add Tommy Morrison and Brian Stark to the mix and if nothing else, it, it makes the competition better at home, right? It's very rare, I think, Texas last year being kind of the exception to the rule that you get 
a, a team without depth, you know, a, a kind of the same five or there's really no threat of any of those guys missing out on the lineup. It's very rare to see those teams actually win it all at the end of the day. You always see the teams that have kind of that battle back home and guys kind of getting their feelings hurt a little bit because they don't qualify one event or two events. And so if Vanderbilt is the team that has all those pieces, then I think Texas right now is the team that kind of wants to get there. And um, I, I know a lot of people are bullish on Tommy Morrison. I, 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 I'm still not sold yet. I know he's six foot nine. He wears a size 17 shoe, um, but he didn't qualify for for Pepperdine's event next week at North Ranch. There's going to be some growing pains, no pun intended. I know you like puns, Perko. Um, but uh, I, I, I think if I had to pick one of those two guys, Brian Starks probably just he's, – he's the more seasoned player. He's a former All-American, didn't play well in the fall, but he's a guy that I think can, can hit the ground running more than I think Tommy can right now. More teams with – Regards to the 500 rule entering the spring in a bit of trouble, Georgia, Arkansas, Wake, maybe the team most likely to turn things around. I think we just had their leader on about five minutes ago. I think Mateo Fernandez de Oliveira, I see that lineup. And don't get me wrong, Georgia's good, Wake's good. And Mateo alluded to it. We didn't play well. We had some heart-to-hearts, a handful of the Razorbacks, good showings in Puerto Rico. I have a feeling they will trend nicely heading into the postseason. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not worried about Georgia. I'm, I'm not worried about Arkansas. You're right. I mean, they got some guys who probably have a fire lit under them right now. But Wake Forest is probably, if I had to circle a team, you know, out of the list and you kind of look at, you know, I'll just go kind of through the records. You know, Georgia's 24 and 31. They can easily make that up. Arkansas, 13, 23 and 1. They could probably make that up. Uh you know, but a team like Wake Forest, they're ranked 34th in the country, so they should be into a regional, right? But they're 19 and 35, and they play a really tough schedule this spring. There's really only one event that I actually see them uh, potentially winning uh, and getting a whole bunch of head-to-head victories. But the reason I'm concerned is because you look at some of these top teams, and some of them can only go as far as their best player will take them. And I think we all would agree that the best player at Wake Forest is Michael Brennan. And let me just read these four results from the fall from Michael Brennan. T75, T44, T47, T41. That's, I mean, to put it lightly, I mean, that's that's bad. I mean, he can't, Michael Brennan, a player like him, uh, all the potential in the world, all the talent in the world, you can't be doing that. And that's why we see Wake Forest uh, kind of where they are. So, um you know, it's uh, it's it's interesting because this isn't a program that we really expect, right? To to not be in regionals. I think they've missed just once, back all the way back in 1999. So they're used to being there. Um, so Jerry Haas is going to probably have to huddle those guys. And uh, you know, I used the term, you know, a few minutes ago, but you know, light a fire in there. Team outside the top ten currently in the ranking that you think can make a run and win it all at Greyhawk. What are you looking at? Ooh. I'm struggling. I'm not going to lie. There are I know, a handful of good teams, but I'm I'm not no, saying wow I'm, they had a bad fall. I'm I'm going to be you know I'm not going to pick them, but I've been very impressed by what Virginia has done with Ben James and George Dungmani and uh, Pietro Pavari. They're they're a team to watch out for. However, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to go very out of character, and I'm going to say Oklahoma. 
Uh, I knew you least... were going there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I got to, right? Uh, but no, I, I, I just look at that lineup and you, know, you, you look at the coaching and, and the coaching's great, but, but you look at that lineup and Drew Goodman did not have the fall that he probably wanted to have, um, but he's a big time player. And so I expect a huge bounce back out of him. Stephen Campbell Jr., kind of the same thing. Luke Kluber was probably not, you know, I think some people may have thought he was going to be Chris Goddard or Jonathan Brightwell. He's not that player, but the good news is they got other guys who you know, are playing well. And the guy who has been super impressive to me has been Jay Summy, freshman. There's so many great freshmen, right, from Caleb Surratt at Tennessee to Christian Moss from Texas. But I think Jay Summy is a guy who no one's talking about and he can play, and he could be their number one player by the time we get to April. You know, between him and Patrick Welch. So, uh, I'm going to go Oklahoma. I think they get back to match play because they've made it what eight eight years in a row or seven years in a row now. Every year, Ryan Hibble yeah. his crew uh, with a chance. I'm not going too far fetched. Just outside the top ten, I'm going to look at Texas A&M, the Aggies, a solid fall campaign. I want to see Sam Bennett step up and truly lead this team. Not that he hasn't. But you win the U.S. Amateur, like Mateo just said. The phone's off the hook. You're getting ready for Augusta. He came back to college for a variety of reasons. When I speak of Sam Bennett, I, I think Brian corton has got a group there that, keep an eye on them, wouldn't be a surprise to see them potentially make a run come May. We'll wrap up the men. Give me a bold prediction. Give me something that you're like, whoa, didn't see that coming maybe three months ago. So I talked about Vanderbilt's depth, right? And we know Gordon Sargent's really good. Cole Sherwood's a first-team All-American type. Throughout the lineup, even Matthew Riedel was on the Haskins Award. I mean, Vandy's one of the – I think they were the only team with three players on that last Haskins Award watch list in the fall. But I'm going to throw out a name. This is a kid who was was ranked higher than Gordon Sargent was in that class a couple years ago, that recruiting class, an AJGA three-time invitational winner, I think, and that's Jackson Van Paris. My bold prediction is that Jackson Van Paris is going to play a lot for Vanderbilt. He's going to be a big factor down the stretch in the postseason. And it's going to start in a couple weeks at the hate because a little birdie told me that he won just won their qualifier. So with Jackson Van Paris now winning qualifiers, uh, that just uh, that cements Vanderbilt as the team I'm picking to win it all. All right. Maybe not necessarily bold, Vandy out of the SEC, perhaps the best team in the country. I'm going to spin it a different way, that there'll be three teams, at least from the SEC, that make it to match play. That's bold? Southern teams have not necessarily gone to the desert and played Oh, that's true. That's true, Virgo. I, I I, I thought you were going to say all eight, all eight teams will be from the SEC. Yeah, not all eight. Hey, there have been great te- there have been great teams on the men's and women's side that have gone out there. Oh yeah, and don't adapt, don't adjust. So I, you know, whether it's Auburn or Florida or Tennessee or A and M, I'm going to say there'll be at least three teams from the SEC year three at Greyhawk that figure out how to get through the 72 holes of stroke play. We'll see how that plays out from the men to the women, the big news, not only once, but twice since we were last part of our podcast, 24 teams has been the standard for women at the NCAAs. Then around Thanksgiving, early December, it moved to 27. And then in recent weeks, the move to 30 equitable, like the men, you're curious to my thoughts, 
I think it's a real simple answer. It's about time. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's two thumbs up and long time coming. And just, I'm, I'm just glad we didn't stay at 27 because oh, that was, was an already a number. I was already getting stressed out about about how they were going to do that, and I just knew at some point you were, you know. I know we're at Greyhawk in the, in the middle of the desert, but you know there's going to be just some random thunderstorm and rain, and the schedule was going to get all out of whack. And I, it's just and the regional stuff with multiple different teams, it was just a mess. And um, that's probably the quickest uh, decision that's ever been made in athletics. So kudos to the NCAA for realizing that <laughs> hey, 27 is no good. Like let's get right back in there and uh, let's. Let's make it right. So, again, great move. Uh, and it's going to be, you know, we've got what? How many more student athletes is that? Uh, well, there, the t- total field will be 156 because they've dropped okay. the individuals from 12 to, to six oh, okay. uh, a non-qualifying teams. You're right. Because I, I think of the Bo Hostler rule. Oregon 2016, boom. Substitutions yeah. allowed. You know, This so one was quicker can, than that. This one was quicker yeah. than the Bo Hostler thing. So it can be done. Good to see. Stanford, number one, Wake Forest, 1A or 2. You throw out the fact that San Jose State, the best team in the country, not named the Cardinal or Demon Deacons. And I'm going to go back to what we had with Paige McKenzie uh, on College Central yesterday. She crunched the stroke averages, the scoring averages of the players for the Spartans who lost their best player last year from a year ago. Everyone has improved, and I'm not talking a quarter of a shot. A shot, like there are some in the starting five that are two, three, three and a half strokes better than they were a year ago. So I maybe thought, hey, this was a nice one-year story. San Jose State, at least by the numbers, say they're a better team this year. Yeah, well, what, what was that? Uh, Luisa Carbone was like three shots three better half, than she was yeah, last year. Three and a half. Yeah. I mean, that's that's unreal, and that's a similar uh, kind of thing that the Arizona State men have done. You know, losing David Poos, they've kind of got a bunch of different guys to step up, and that's what you need. But I think make make no mistake about this roster, and I talked to Dana Dorman a few days ago. She was she was on a long walk and was just asking her about each player, and, um, you know, she has some studs. Like, she has some – first-team All-American, second-team All-American type players. I mean, this isn't just kind of like a collective, everyone, some of all parts thing. I mean, uh, I'm going to butcher these these pronouns. Don't be a hero. It, Don't but, be a yeah. hero. What, what, what is go, uh, I, I mean, Arifal, Casa, Casa Arifal? Is, it, is that how you pronounce it? You know. Uh, I believe it's Kaija. 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 Yeah. And Antonio Malate. There you go. Did I get it? You did. I mean, they're they're two seniors. They're they're going to be playing on the LET or the LPGA or the Epson, you know, next year. And uh, yeah, they're 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 very solid. And so I, I I do think they're they kind of showed that they were the best team besides the two those two last year. I mean, they beat Stanford twice in the spring. They go on to make match play. Um, you know, there was maybe some concern out of people out there that maybe they were a flash in the pan and you lose your best player and not program history because they've had some really good players, but your best player the last decade or so. And, uh, but they've come out and kind of shown like, Hey, like we're, we mean business. We can beat anyone and they're going to be kind of playing all over. I think they're going to 
the Darius Rucker. I think they're in that field. Um, they're going to get some time on Bermuda, but um, but yeah, they're they're really good. We did it for the men. We'll do it for the women. Team outside the top ten that you think can win it all. And when you take a look at the ranking in terms of historical perspective, look at the teams not ranked inside the top ten right now: UCLA, USC, Duke. Arizona State, Arizona, Auburn. I mean, it's those teams alone have won half of the national championships of the last 25 more, more years. Probably half, more than right? that. Yeah, more yeah. than half. How many does um, Arizona State have? What, you got seven with them, six for Duke? Gosh, or is it eight? I was going to say, I think the total is like, is the total like 23 total out of those 10? I mean, we're not USC's got three. Effort, yeah, but. it's it's those are historical programs. I'm going to go Auburn. Something about what Melissa Llewellyn has done. Um, they're there. They're seemingly there. They're scrappy. They're talented. Um, played well at East Lake. I, I don't know. We've we've seen them show up in big spots in regionals at NCAs to make it to match play or take off a top seed uh, like Texas at the Blessings. She's won a national title at Arizona State. Keep an eye on them in the spring. Yeah, they, they were really impressive at the East Lake Cup, just really dominating that that final match. And that's what they can do, right, when their back's against the wall, when they need to actually put a result in there. And they're called the Cardiac Cats for a reason. I mean, they they deliver when it matters most. and uh, But I'm not going to pick them because you did. Um I know my wife will kind of get mad at me, but uh, she went to Auburn. But uh, I, I, I'm going to go. Hmm. Did I say 11 through 25 or 11? You through did. 20? You 11 did. Real quickly, Arizona State eight national championships. Um, just yeah, because right. I wanted to. Three, four, five. You've got Duke with seven. So I mean, those two teams alone basically have won almost half of them. That's unreal. <laughs> I'm going to go uh, 21st ranked team in the country, USC. Uh, I think we're still waiting on whether UCLA transfer Ty uh, Akabani is going to be able to play in the spring after transferring from the Bruins. Uh, but if she's able to, I mean, that's just another player that can go out there and shoot 66, 67. And, uh, but again, I don't, I don't even think they really need her uh, – uh, to, to do great things and to make match play and to, to make a run. And I think the job that Justin Silverstein has done and kind of the culture that he's built there after taking over for um, their former head coach, Andrew Gaston, uh, he's one of the best coaches in the country for a reason. And he's got one of the best players too, Amari Avery. And she really, I mean, she, she was kind of up and down in the fall too. So that kind of explains going back to, you know, you're, you're only as good as your best player is. And that kind of explains maybe why they're, outside the top 20 right now, but we know Amari, we know that, uh, you know, she's, she's hungry to kind of make up for, you know, what I said was an up and down fall. Right. And so she's going to win a few times, I, I think. And uh, it's just a team that has a lot of, you know, a lot of question marks, but I think those could be easily answered. And there's just a, there's a lot of untapped talent. I think when we're talking about the Trojans, someone that wins quite a lot more often than not Rose Zhang, you throw out the, the idea of not will this be, but should this be Rose Zhang's last semester in college? A, I hope not. 
B, uh, it probably should. You know, NIL's a nice incentive. But let's say she runs the table, wins the Annika again, wins the national title individually, but maybe more for Stanford. Uh, You don't say it often, especially in college golf. She has nothing else left to prove, to accomplish. I always go back to Lorena Ochoa, her sophomore year, won eight out of ten events, runner-up in the other two. Rose is on that path. If she walks out in style or the team's holding another trophy, I'd be the first one to show her the door, even though I'd be crying all the way there. Yeah, and and, and, and she's, she's played so many majors already. I think she's up to, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, she's up to about maybe eight or nine major championship starts. I mean, she's she's won an NCAA team title, an individual player of the year. She could she could turn pro right now, Burko, and and I think everyone would be like, all right, like she's ready. But I mean, you've you've been, you know, doing this. I mean, not to not to say you're old. Long but, time. I'm old. Yeah, long yeah. time. Um, you've yep. seen some great players. Like you've seen the L- Lorena Ochoa's play, and you know, just all the Amanda Blumenhurst. And uh, is is she the best player you've college player you've seen? Uh, for first Lorena, two years, you know, as yeah. a, as a sophomore, as a freshman, she's really close to what Lorena did. Now, let's say Rose wins three, four times uh, in the spring, then I start having that conversation. You can argue twenty years ago, maybe the talent pool wasn't as deep, but I've, I'm going to say it again: Lorena played ten events as a sophomore. She won eight of them, and she came in second in the other two. That is the standard. That is the bar in terms of all-time greats that I watched personally. I remember sitting down with her after that national championship because she was announcing she was turning pro. Greg Allen, now at Vandy, then at Arizona. Long story short, said, hey, we can tape an interview, hang on to it for a week. That's how old I am, that I was, (laughs) quote-unquote, the first interview after she turned pro. She has her success, and she's been out of the game for almost 10 years. So, yes, I am old. Lorraine is the standard. Rose has the ability, if she runs the table or does something similar, that now I'll start to think, has you know, has Lorena's year been surpassed? Yeah, what's what's the thing that college players, what, when, when they get a chance to play, you know, PGA Tour or LPGA events, what's the one thing they say? These guys, their best, like my best is not too far off, but – the, prof- the professionals, the ones that win events, you know, on the LPGA or the PGA Tour, they're bad. It's just way better than some of these college players. But I would argue that Rosang, I mean, there's a reason why when she goes out and finishes T12 at the Stevens Cup, everyone's going, what's wrong with Rosang? Because she's that good. Like, her her yeah. bad is still really good. And I think she could be out there tomorrow on the LPGA and, and win tournaments. And she's already made the cut in four of the five majors. And that's just because she hasn't played the women's PGA because there's no path for an amateur into that one. So, um, I mean, she's just she's just very impressive. And I think we, we've had her on this podcast, too. Uh, she could be probably a little intimidating to other players just because she's so good, right? But her personality and how personable and friendly she is, uh, that part impresses me almost just as much as her her game. I mean, you can have a conversation with her and – you walk away and you're like, wow, like she's got it all together. I mean, she's, she's really bright. Um, you know, she's, she's, she's the total package, right? You know, great player, 
you know, great marketability, friendly, and she's everything you can want in a future star. And that's exactly what the women told me 20 years ago about Lorena. She's better than us. You want to hate her, but you can't because she's <laughs> so darn nice. And, and Rose literally fits uh, that bill. I know we're going a little long in our season over yeah, here in 2023. Right. Uh, I'm going to leave it to you. You and you alone, give me a bold prediction for the women uh, in the next four months. So, so much talk about Rose Zhang. You kind of forget about another player who you could probably put her on the list of top five players of the last decade in women's college golf, and that's Ingrid Lidblad from LSU. As far as I know, she's still planning on coming back for an extra year next year. Um, but my bold prediction is Ingrid Lidblad wins at least four times this spring. We'll see her at the Darius Rucker on our air. That's not her favorite golf course. Yeah, uh, I think that was her worst finish uh, last it's season. It's her worst two finishes of her of her college yeah. career, I think, or worst three. Um, so that's not her favorite, but uh, throw that one out. I think that she wins at least four times, and I also think she wins the Augusta National Women's Amateur. Came so hard. close. Yeah, so close. Hard to argue. Go back to the Women's Open last year, uh, Pine Needles. She's in the mix on the weekend. Yeah. Had a, ch- had a chance to win, so not surprising – I'll piggyback on that. Going to be fun to watch her, as you say. Not easily forgettable, but when you keep talking Rose, Stanford, Wake Forest. So, by the way, maybe the second best player in college golf uh, resides in Baton Rouge. Always fun to kick it off. Looking forward to a fun four months. Our thanks to Mateo Fernandez de Oliveira for joining us on this 2023 Lid Lifter on College Golf Talk. We'll do it again next week for Brentley Umberto. So long, everyone. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.